We are so glad you joined us today for the sermon podcast of St. Thomas Anglican Mission. St. Thomas is a convergent church anchored in Anglicanism and located in beautiful Matthews County, Virginia. We seek to be a community of refuge where you can rest, dream, and change as you encounter Christ through the scriptures, spirit, and sacrament. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Let's listen. So the scripture that we're looking at this morning, uh, the appointed gospel passage is found in uh, St. Mark, Gospel of Mark, the 13th chapter, beginning in the 24th verse. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his own assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that you be with us over these next few moments. That God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable In your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, this morning's appointed uh, gospel passage from uh, Mark, uh, it speaks to, on the surface, uh, I know some people tend to think that it uh, have an idea of what it speaks to, but the reality is it speaks to the then pending destruction of Jerusalem which we know happened in 70 A.D. Uh, And it happened as a siege that lasted for five months in which the emperor Nero wrecked the city and destroyed the temple. So contextually, that's what the passage is about. Because if we jump a couple verses before, we find the the disciples marveling at the stones and all the beauty and the grandeur, grandeur. And Jesus says, 
These are all going to be down, overthrown and, and, and smashed and tossed. And, and Jesus was telling them what was coming. But of course, I mean, they, as always, didn't really catch on. But he was talking about the eventual destruction that was going to happen 40 years later. Unfortunately, uh, as, as, when it comes to this passage, as the New Testament scholar and the Anglican bishop N.T. Wright uh, wrote in his book, Jesus and the Victory of God, Mark 13 has been badly misunderstood by the importation into it of ideas concerning the second coming of Jesus. Contextually, again, this passage was Jesus preparing his followers for what, at some point down the road, was to come, the destruction of the temple. And, of course, his own vindication as the true Messiah, a la uh, Daniel 7, 13, when the Son of Man was presented to the Ancient of Days. So this morning in this, this homily or brief meditation or whatever you, you want to call it, I just want to take a few moments and just share some stuff that's been on my heart and, and, and just a few things. Um, specifically, one is which is we like to say that here in 2020, right, the news says it all the time and you hear it in conversation all the time, that we are living in unprecedented times. But are we really? Are we really living in unprecedented times? The fact is the church has been here before in the sense of uh, these insane, crazy things happening that just knocked them uh, off their rock or knocked them uh, upside the head and, and um, just threw us for a loop. We have been in this situation before. Maybe not specifically this situation, but we have been knocked for a loop before. After all, the early Christians at the time of this passage that Jesus is talking about contextually, the early Christians still engaged in temple life. Uh, they, they still participated in those things. And so much like Judaism in general, the destruction of the temple was monumental. The destruction of the temple knocked not just Jews but it knocked the, those of the way, those early Christians, it knocked them all for a loop. It put the church in a discombobulated place. Regardless, we, the church, survived. And Christ proved that the structure is not necessary to worship Him. Right In 70 AD, when Nero destroyed Jerusalem and, and ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, the Lord was saying, no more do you need this temple to worship me. You know, and there's actually been this progression. You go all the way back to the Torah, it's all about animal sacrifices, right? You jump to the prophets and the psalmists and you start to hear different things of, I don't need your, your burnt offerings, I don't need these things. You know, and there's been this process and this, this progression through history of, of God trying to break the people of certain things. Actually, I don't need that for you to worship me. I don't need your sacrifices. I don't need your incense. I don't need your temple. In fact, in the Gospel of John, we find Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman. In the course of their conversation, he said this, 
believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. So check it out, church. Our identity is not bound to a building, but bound to the Lord, right? Our, our identity, we aren't churchians, right? We're Christians. Our identity is not bound to this building, as beautiful as it is, but it's bound to our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Just as when the temple was destroyed and men saw the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, so we too must see that in this season, this global pandemic, this season of where, you know, our physical churches have not been tore down and destroyed, but we can't, many of us still can't utilize our space. And those that have began utilizing their space are, are utilizing it, in most cases, at a percentage of what they could normally do. And so may we see, may we also see that in this season, may we also recognize the great power and glory of the Lord that's on full display and it has nothing at all to do with this building or any building. But what it has to do with is Christ was risen, Christ ascended, Christ was vindicated and proven to be the King of glory. No pandemic, no emperor, Nothing is going to get in the way of the kingship of Jesus Christ. And nothing should get in the way of us as believers from worshiping and standing firm on the rock of our salvation. Sure, you know, uh, many folks say, oh, the church is, isn't the building but the people. And that's fantastic when people say that because that is so true. The church is not this building. This is just a structure. The church is the body of Jesus Christ, me and you. However, when this pandemic hit, the coronavirus and, and this corona tide that continues uh, to, to uh, exist and pour upon our nation and around the world, many of the faithful have chosen to not engage in the discipleship rhythms of their local community of faith. Be that in gathering, of course, virtually, uh, and responsibly, outdoors, whatever, giving, and even going forth and doing works. Of course, there are those that continue to do those things, that continue to gather together and continue to give and continue to go forth and make disciples. But there are those who haven't, who abandoned it, and they chose to disengage because it was easier to retreat. And honestly, it required no thought to disengage. And I'm sure when the temple was destroyed, there was those that just disengaged and thought, how? How can I go on? God is no longer here. Missing the reality 
that by his spirit he is within us and he is around us each and every day. You know, there's those that, that have chosen to protest, actually, the idea of virtual gatherings, whether that's on Zoom or Facebook Live or YouTube Live or, or whatever the case may be, for no valid reason, and intentionally have separated themselves, saying that until the doors of the building reopen, we're not going to engage. And church, that is actually flat out wrong. That's not the way we do this life. That's not the way we be Christians. That's not the way we worship God in community. Yes, we have an individual responsibility to worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and no one is denying that, but we are forsaking the reality that we need one another. Salvation is as much a community-based thing as it is an individual thing. All you have to do is look through the pages of Scripture, and it's always community and individual, community and individual. They aren't separated. They're bound together. That's why we are the body. It's not me who is the body or you who is the body. We, we are the body. We are the body. Separating in this time and writing it off and saying it doesn't feel like church because it's not in a building. Or it doesn't feel like church because we can't sing songs. Or it doesn't feel like church because I have to wear a mask inside. Or it doesn't feel like church because of this or because of that or whatever. Those aren't the answer. Not the answer for your individual journey and certainly not the answer for the corporate journey. Each and every single one of us is called walk into you know when Jesus Christ was preparing his disciples and telling them this great thing was going to happen he was essentially building up their faith that when this happens be watchful be ready be prepared don't be knocked for a loop stand strong stand faith stand in the faith the fact is we need to be ready for whatever the world throws at us. Because it's by the leading of the Holy Spirit that we remain a body, that we remain the body of Christ through this season of turmoil, through seasons of joy, through seasons of happiness, through seasons of mourning, through seasons of dancing, through seasons of corona the coronavirus. Advent, Advent reminds us that even in the midst of darkness, four things must persist. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Hope, peace, joy, and love. We've grown too comfortable, and dare I say, lazy. And so we've all been left spinning out of control in the midst of everything that's slammed into 2020. Whether it's the, the racial injustice, the global pandemic, or for those of us here in America, the, the uh, presidential election. 
we've grown so comfortable and lazy that that when things are shaken up and we're challenged, we don't know what to do and we're left scrambling and, and, and rocking. And all three of these things, the racial injustice, the global pandemic, and the election, these have all been, these have all been devastating and have had devastating impacts on our families and tearing, frankly, some of them apart. Some folks, some folks don't believe that racism continues to exist in 2020, all because they have their own preconceived ideas and notions, a small worldview, perhaps. Some don't want to believe that this pandemic, that this coronavirus is real. They rather buy into the media and say it's all it's a political game, or they want to say it's it, it's you know some some sort of thing being used to to bind the will and, and and crush the people into servitude. Some folks can't imagine that their person lost and another, the other person won. And just like you, I imagine, I too have uh, people that I'm close to, even family members, uh, who think racial injustice doesn't exist, the coronavirus is fake, and that the presidential election was hijacked and conspiracy theories and blah, 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 all this stuff. And then they get offended and mad when their theories, their, their conspiracies are pushed back against when, you know, when reality says they're wrong. And I'm sure you know people, friends and family, that are in the same way and perhaps even re respond to you the same way. Many of them good, well-intentioned believers, but having bought into uh, this, this, this conspiracies or this uh, 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 whispers from the world because they place too much faith in uh, these various things that they can't, they, they can't accept uh, the reality of the day. So they're knocked upside the head. They're left spinning out of control, grasping for things. If you're a Christian, you know, for those of us that are Christians, now is the time for us to yield to love. Love one another. Reach out to our brothers and our sisters of different skin colors and of different cultural backgrounds and of different you know, ethnicities and these various things and love on them. Show love to those who take the virus serious and those that laugh it off and think it's a joke. Show love. Show love for those who voted Democratic or those who voted Republican or those who voted Independent or whatever party. Show love. Don't condemn, don't disparage, don't mock and make fun of, but show love. Don't put yourself first. Don't put your rights first. Don't put your party first. Instead, what you need to put first, what each of us needs to put first, is repentance. We must come before the Lord and repent and allow the love of God, the love of neighbor, and the love of enemy to permeate 
our lives in this Advent season. So as we look with anticipation to the day in which we remember love becoming incarnate in a manger, let us not forget that in so doing, in doing so, uh, it was by his birth that Christ came and brought hope into the world. It was by his death and his ascension and by his vindication as the Son of Man in glory and power that hope continues to resonate and be available in this world. Christ's ascension and his, his vindication, you know, it's because of those things that we can know that Christ will come again. As the angel said, the way he left is the way he returns. But it's not to rapture the church away, uh, dooming the rest of mankind to misery. No, when Christ comes again, it's to fully bring hope to earth. It's to judge the living and the dead. Something that, mind you, only Christ himself is actually able to do. We, as men and women of, of God, as the children of God, we are not meant and we are not ordained and we are not authorized to judge just because someone voted different from us, just because someone has a different skin color than us, just because someone does or doesn't wear a mask, we do not have the authority granted to us by the Holy Spirit to judge. Because when we judge, it leads to sin on our behalf. But when Christ judges, it's righteousness. It's holy. So church, as we celebrate this season of Advent, where the night continues to get darker earlier and the cold winter winds begin to blow in, know that, know that if you have made a vow of devotion to Jesus Christ, you have hope in the dark. You have hope in the season of coronavirus. You have hope in this season of racial injustice. You have hope in this season of election insanity. And you have hope when everything around you tells you to despair. Because Jesus Christ is with you. He's with us. He's with his church yesterday, today, and tomorrow. As he said in the Gospel of Mark, they still ring true today. His words will never, never pass away. And one of those, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you until the very end. So keep watch and be about the Father's business, bearing fruit, my friends, that will last. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning asking God for you to pour out your hope into our lives, Lord. Pour out your abundant grace and your mercy and your love into our hearts. God, may we uh, be your example in this time of darkness that seems to be prevailing across our land from racial injustice 
to this coronavirus, this pandemic, to the election insanity. God, as we look forward to remembering your, the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, and as we look forward to the fact that one day He will come again to judge both the quick and the dead, may we also each and every day as we arise from our bed, may we look forward to the fact that in that day we will encounter Him because Christ Christ is risen. Christ has come. And so God, give your people, your children, strength to stand, mercy to show, hope to live, and grace to spare. May the little light in each of us push back and burn away the darkness. Lord, may we by the infusion of your Holy Spirit, be the light to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the message. You can find out more about St. Thomas by visiting our website, matthewsanglican.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Simply search our name. Have a blessed week.